Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. If you're new here, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, but also look in the description. I've got links to all the other platforms I'm on, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the uh, social media platforms I haven't been banned off of. Please follow me on all of those, but specifically Substack. I'm putting out Substacks two or three times a week. And then also Telegram, I'm using that as my alternative to Twitter, because as you know, I'm not allowed on Twitter anymore. So please go follow me at both of those places uh, and everywhere else you want to. It's in the description. You'll see the links right there, right below the stuff for Bruce. So uh, today I got an interesting guest. I actually finally ran into him when I was in Florida of all places, even though we both live in New Hampshire. He was down at Young Americans for Liberty uh, as I was, and I ran into him. And we had a little discussion about how I could vote for him in the primary. He's running as a Republican. Lots of you guys, if you're in New Hampshire, you've seen this guy's signs all over the place, especially on the east side of the state, really doing well at the sign game. Bruce Fenton, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Reed. Yeah, absolutely, Good to see man. You. Yeah, you too. So um, before we get into the specifics of your Senate campaign or anything, I just want, before I assign any labels to you that might not be accurate. I just want you to kind of describe what your philosophy is in general. What is it you believe in? It says on your website, you believe in liberty, freedom, and New Hampshire. I believe in all those things too, but just want you to expand on that a little bit. What do you think is wrong with this country What do, and the state? What do we need to, uh, what do we need to do as citizens and as voters? And w which way do you want to see the state and the country go uh, in the future? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I think the answers and the, the you know to to both kind of where I want to see things go and the philosophy is the same. You know, uh, which is that I I just don't want government. I don't want any person to rule over another person or do violence to another person unless uh, it's in defense or you know enacting justice uh, for for a crime against their life, liberty, or property. You know, so so other than that, I I just don't want to have government be the the one to do any of this stuff. You know, there's plenty of worthy things that might be good like you know giving people free health care or whatever that that's all fine uh but i don't think government should do it if somebody wants to give free health care they should donate the money to give the free health care you know good ideas don't need government and you know my overall philosophy is that uh government's the just about the most dangerous thing humanity's ever invented you know it's this very weird idea that certain people can have power to do force over other people. And that's all that it really is at the end of the day is just, you know, using force against people. And it's a very, very, very dangerous, deadly tool. You know, it's, it's worse than Ebola. Government has killed way more people than Ebola, way more people than COVID, way more people than, you know, almost any, anything that we've created. So it should be, and we can debate about, you know, when it's okay to use government or whatever, but I think it, you have to recognize that first that it's like Ebola that you're dealing with. It's it's like a toddler with a with a Gatlin gun. It's a super 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 dangerous thing, and there might be a good reason for a toddler to have a Gatlin gun, but you want to really really be careful about it before you do it. So that that's what I'd like to see with government. You know, I'd like to see it cut almost in in, in as we know it almost entirely. You know, ninety five percent probably something like that. You know. Um, and and as far as where the country is, you know, one one reason I'm running is because I'm really concerned about us going down. You know, we're gonna we're, we're in a time of epic change. Everything's changing and shaking up, and we could go down a path of more tyranny, or we could go down a path 
like New Hampshire is doing in a lot of ways, going down a path of more freedom. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm hoping we go down the path of more freedom because this is really crucial times for our nation, for humanity. We're in historical times. This isn't this isn't 1996, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so do you view the Senate as something that is salvageable at this point? Do you think if you actually make it in there that you will be able to turn things around? Or are you hoping to be there more as a shining light trying to draw attention to all the chaos what or, or both or what, what do you think you're going to be able to do if you get in there it's a little of both you know like a lot of ancaps and libertarians I, i'm jaded by government you know part of me just says it's worthless that you know that i mean i totally sympathize with the people who don't even bother voting and i sympathize with the people who think this is a fool's errand that it can't change i get that but it really does matter you know like the old saying you know if you, you may not pay attention to government government still pays attention to you you know just just two days ago the, the vote came down to one vote on this 87,000 IRS agent thing. That that will affect us here in New Hampshire. I would have voted, obviously, no. Hasn't right. voted yes. So that, that's a real tangible, real thing. You you really It's easy to be jaded, but you really can matter. That vote mattered. Uh, other votes matter. Um, one single vote can matter. You know, you can you can also change the process. You can subpoena people. You can uh, call them in for Senate hearings. You you can uh, you can do filibusters. You can delay nominations. You know, I did a, a sample filibuster for. I made it 33 hours the other yeah. day. I wanted to break Strom Thurmond's record. So there's a hundred percent chance that I could break that record if I was in the Senate. I already did it. I proved it. You know, I could definitely break his record. Uh, so there's things like that that can matter. And here's the interesting thing. You know, Blake Masters won his primary. There's a number of Liberty candidates, um, and there's a, there's a few people that are e either Liberty like Rand Paul or leaning Liberty uh, in there now. You you know, if, depending on how this election goes, suppose I got elected, Blake got elected, four or five others get elected, and you got Rand and Cynthia Lummis and Ted Cruz and stuff. All of a sudden, you have you have a, a voting block, you know, 12 people could be one of the most vo powerful blo voting blocks in the history of America. I mean, three people, a lot of these, these, these important votes come down to two, three votes, you know, one yeah. vote often. So three people can, can totally change, change the thing. And I, you know, we, we have a good chance of having an actual coalition. So we, we could, we could actually change things. And the other thing that's an interesting factor is we are in very unusual times. So this is a six year term. Uh, in two years, we could have a completely unrecognizable world. We could have the Greatest Depression. We could have World War III. We could have anything's on the table in these kind of crazy times. And those are the times when you need people who understand disruptors, who understand change. You know, somebody who, I mean, we may need to get rid of 30 government agencies because we can't afford it. You know, I mean, we can't right. afford it already, but at least I, I've been recognizing that for years. You know, so my crazy ideas like abolishing these departments, they may not seem so crazy right now. And in two years, they may not even be crazy at all. Even Elizabeth Warren may vote for them because she has no choice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of people forget that the Senate, not only does it have fewer people in it, it's only 100 instead of 438, but also the senators, as you were pointing to, have a lot of power. They can block legislation. They can filibuster it. Um, they have a lot more power than a congressman. Um, so the uh, when we got Rand Paul into the Senate, th that was just a, a huge, amazing moment. And I wasn't actually a libertarian at that time. I wasn't until like 2014. But uh, just kind of reliving it vicariously through everybody and going back and watching when he got elected and how excited everyone was. Uh, it was a huge moment. Uh, the the thing is, like, Rand has definitely done a pretty good job compared to most other senators. But there have been certain moments where he kind of buckles at the knee and does what the Republican Party wants him to do. 
Um, what I want to ask you is it's really easy to oppose the Democrats because they obviously suck. They're horrible on just about everything these days. Um, if you get in there and then the Republicans retake the House and the Senate and then eventually the presidency, um, how can we, how do we know we can count on you to stand up to the Republicans when they have bad ideas, too? Yeah, you know, I've I've had a pretty consistent record. I protested George W. Bush against the war. I protested war, whether it was Republican or a Democrat. I was against, you know, uh, I mean, any kind of, uh, you know, these sort of violent authoritarian actions that have been done by Republicans. And Republicans have done a lot of things that I've spoken out against, you know, the creation of the Patriot Act, the Department of Homeland Security, um, you, you, you know, the, the the, the you know bombing countries all over the world drone bombings surveillance state you know I, I think liberty republican is a very different thing than regular republican you know sure. we're 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 people who care about liberty first and it's because it's interesting you know sometimes i get on my uh social media and stuff or, or you know with my signs or on my campaign trail you know i get democrats and they'll just assume that i'm a John McCain Republican, you know, be like, hey, you're you're uh, whatever against gay marriage or something, you know, against Muslims or something. That's just absurd. It's co completely, completely the opposite um, of, of, you know, so so there's a there's kind of a dying breed of the old school Republicans. Um, and I've been consistent about, you know, not being afraid to criticize those things. And even in my campaign trail, I'm one of the only candidates who's criticized McConnell. You know, the, m most candidates won't do that because they're yeah. terrified of his pack. And they know that when you get down there, you you're expected to vote the way he tells you. I mean, Chuck Morris is a perfect example. He wouldn't uh, even answer the question about red flag laws. You know, he wouldn't even say because he's afraid of McConnell. He's 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 going to be a rubber stamp, and he's showing right now that he's a loyal soldier. And I'm showing right now, and I'm not a loyal soldier. Mitch McConnell wants to get my vote. He can, you know, he wants me to listen to him. He can move to New Hampshire and be a resident of New Hampshire, just like you or anybody else. But I'm not there to represent him. I'm there to represent the, the people of New Hampshire. If I go down there and, and, the, and the mandate that I'm running on makes it even more clear because every single group that I talk to and pretty much every single interview, I tell the people that I'm going to go down there to vote no on all the expansion, all the tyranny, all the government expansion, no on expansion of the tax base. Yes, on human rights, freedom, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights every single time. So I just can't vote for something like red flag laws because that's, you know, I'd be breaking my promise. To, I mean, I would never want to anyway, but I also wouldn't want to break my promise to the voters. Um, so, so yeah, I'd be consistent about that. And I'm also, you know, I, I think some, some other people say this, but I really mean it when I, and it's misinterpreted sometimes where I say, I don't, I don't want the job. And some people say, oh, geez, you know, wh why don't you want the job? Don't, you know, right. th that doesn't make me want to support you. But I think that's what we, we should want. We should want people who don't want this power. Who, you mm -hmm. know, I don't want to go down there and make friends with McConnell. I want to go down there and defend this country and defend our constitution, defend the New Hampshire people. You know, I don't care about making friends with people. I don't, I, I you know, I, I, don't imagine I'd run again. You know, I, I, it's such an incredible sacrifice to, to even consider going down to that swamp hellhole for six years and missing out on my farm and my, you know, I'll miss some of the most key formative years in my children's childhood. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, you know, I know that I'd be very consistent and there's certain things that I'll just never, ever do. You know, I'll never vote for wars of aggression. I'll never vote for spying on Americans. I'll never, ever comply with a vax pass or a movement pass. I'll never wear a mask on duty. If, if, if I get put in this role and they try and put a mask mandate on the Senate, I just, I won't do it. I will not do it. I will not do it. I, if, I, if that means they won't let me in the building, they won't let me in the building. But there's certain things I, I just won't compromise on. And 
I think people who know me know that, you know, it's definitely what we need right now, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, take a quick sidestep and just talk because you brought it up there, your farm and your family. Uh, what are you giving up to do this? Like, what is your regular day to day life like? What what have you done and what what is, you know, what companies or hobbies or um, practices are you involved in right now that um, you'd be leaving behind to take this job in the Senate? Yeah, that's a great question, because I, I think I'm so blessed to have like a life that people could dream of. I mean, I got four beautiful children, a beautiful wife. We've been married for almost 30 years. We built businesses together. I have some cool, cool businesses that I've built up over time to just kind of, I built them around me. You know, they serve like what I want to do. They, they're built to serve my strengths, the things that I enjoy. So, you know, many, many years ago, I was fortunate enough to get onto a path where I could over time do more and more of what I like. And I got, and I was fortunate enough financially to be in a situation where I'm like, I don't want to do anything I don't like anymore. You know, certain, like, I don't like meetings that much. I just canceled meetings. I had almost no meetings for years and years. You know, there's certain things uh, that I just, didn't didn't do so i've built this like really cool job where all i do all day is stuff that i love it doesn't even feel like working and then i got my you know my beautiful children i have one of the coolest places in new hampshire this beautiful farm 80 acres on the seacoast right on the great bay in durham uh it's a super historic site actually it was a the the in uh, 1694 a guy single-handedly defended the home his home against almost 100 attackers um, it, it, during the Oyster River Massacre. His neighbors, right, I could see it if, if, if I didn't have a wall in the way, right up there, 15 people were killed. And then right behind me, they marched down here uh, and he, he protected his family, he sent his family away and he single-handedly fought these guys off, right, right on my land. So, so it's wow. just an incredibly cool place. And then, you, you know, hobbies, like right in this room next to me, you see my comic book stuff behind me, the room next to me is just filled with comic books. And I mean, it, as busy as I am in this campaign, you know, part of me is like, man, I just wish I could just sit and read a comic book and play Dungeons and Dragons with my, I'm a geek, I'm a super geek, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons or watch a Marvel movie on my TV, you know. Uh, so it's a huge sacrifice to go to go down there. It was one of the big things in in the process to say, uh, you know, woo, could I even do this job if if I get sent down there? It's it's miserable. I looked it up and I look. I really thought hard about it. And I looked exactly what the commitment is. It's around 124 days on average. Uh, you do get a lot of weekends. You can come back. You know, there's pretty easy flights. You can fly right into Manchester. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I had to really consider that stuff because it's it's a major sacrifice. Like, you know, my kids aren't the right age. They, you know, they're too big to bring down. Um, you know, they're they're mostly uh, young teenagers uh, or almost teenagers. Um, you know, like fifth grade through through tenth grade, um, and and so, you know, it's a it's it, it, it's it's a big sacrifice. Uh, um, but I would just go down there, vote no, and come back, and that—that's yeah. it, you know. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, do you do you look fondly on anyone in the Senate right now, other than Rand Paul? Like, are there any Democrats and Republicans you feel like you could work with to get legislation passed, even if you don't agree with them on a lot of stuff? Are there people who stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic. I mean, there's a whole mess of people who are liberty-ish, you know, or have call it somewhere between 50 to 80% liberty or, or 90%. I mean, Rand Paul might be 95, you know, he's not probably perfect, but, um, you, you know, Thomas Massey, you know, he's in the house of course, but you know, he, he'd be like 98 or something. He's probably one of the best. Yeah. Um, but even the people that, that I don't agree with, because one thing I've been really proud of myself in our industry, the crypto industry, is that I've made friends with kind of everybody, a whole bunch of people who dislike each other, don't talk to each other. I, I'm friends with all of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I'd, I'd like to, and especially being a bit of an outsider, you know, more, I'm much more of an independent. Um, in fact, some people think I'm running as an independent, you know, just because of how I talk a lot. I've had several people, even after I tell them I'm a Republican, they say, well, you're an independent. They, they just, it, it doesn't compute in their head because I don't sound like a normal Republican when I talk about drugs and, uh, you know, drug legalization and these kind of things. But, you know, those are the kind of areas I'd love to reach out across the aisle. You know, AOC's in Congress, not the Senate, but she said she was against um, accredited investor rules. And I was like really excited about that because I can't recall anything I've ever agreed with AOC on. I mean, she's, she's 180 degree different from, from me, but, but right. I, I would, I, I would like to find common ground with her, just like people in my industry, people who I don't like, you know, I, I, I am more interested in finding common ground with, with AOC or Elizabeth Warren precisely because they are so opposite of me. I think it's an achievement. You know, the, the proudest, some of the proudest things I am in, in life are, were when I, I kind of diffused situations and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling if you can make friends, friends with somebody, or at least on some little area, you know, I would love to find something with somebody that I completely disagree with, like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren and say, Hey, you know, here's, here's something we agree on. Do one little thing, make a little bill that does that thing. Um, and, and also as, as we enter what I think are going to be very epic times of change, it's going to be even more important to do these kind of things. If we're facing World War III or we're facing a, a, a massive depression, I don't think they're going to be as hung up on, you know, orange man, bad, you have our next to your name. I don't talk to you anymore. Right. I, th I think we got to look at America. And I think I could do that probably better than almost any Republican. If I'm down there, I'm certainly not going to be thought of as, you know, a rubber stamp for the part official party, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so I want to talk about some issues to start with foreign policy. So a lot of the Republicans are, I would say, pretty good on Ukraine, uh, more than the Democrats, at least a lot more Republicans seem to realize this has been money laundering scheme. It's been a mess, something we should never have gotten involved in in the first place. However, when it comes to Taiwan and China, they want to draw us into almost a, the exact same quagmire, uh, you know, either protecting Taiwan from China or getting directly involved with China, provoking them into attacking Taiwan like we did with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, what is, you've already touched on it a little bit, but do you have a really hard stance on foreign policy? No foreign aid to any of these countries, no intervention unless it directly threatens our national security. Just kind of expand on your view of foreign policy a little bit, especially when it comes to Taiwan and Ukraine. Yeah, I mean that's exactly my my policy. Follow the Constitution. We we've had these military misadventures all over the world for fifty years now. You know, Vietnam, Afghanistan. I mean, we were in Afghanistan longer than World War One and World War Two combined, uh, and we spent way more money adjusted for, adjusted for inflation. Adjusted for inflation, we spent more money. What on earth did we accomplish? World War Two. You can tell what you accomplished. There was some real, real, real statists. And one of the only legitimate government roles of government that I like is protecting you from even worse statists. You know, I mean, as bad as government is, it's like the Nazis were worse and the, and, and, you know, the, the, the axis was, was worse, uh, you know, the ultimate statists. And so that's a legitimate role to, to, to fight that kind of thing. But we went over to Afghanistan, we spent even more money than that and more, far more time, for, for nothing. They, they weren't a threat to us. You know, I, I mean, it wasn't even the right country for the guy that was credited with attacking us. So, you, you know, and, 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 and neither was Iraq, you know, Iraq was hundreds of miles away. So, you, you know, the, these things are driven by these contractors who have decabillion dollar uh, companies and big headquarters all around the beltway. You know, you drive down the beltway, it's just 
brand new building after brand new building, all stuff that was built in the last 20 years, these big, huge headquarters of, of government contractors, every single one of them, and a whole bunch of brand new cars and mansions in McLean, all paid for by our tax dollars. And a big chunk of it is is this, especially more recently, the post 9-11, just ratcheting up the military. I mean, 9-11 was a long, long time ago, but we ratcheted up and we've never kind of gone back since. We just sort of have this perpetual war so that it's a horrible horrible incentives and it's driven by the broken fiat system americans would never tolerate this if you had to pay for it world war ii you had to pay for it the world heroes would come to your town and convince you to, to to you know hey this is you know hey listen reed these nazis are really really bad could you please buy some war bonds and you'd sit there and say eh, can you convince me a little bit more tell me why they're bad you they had to make a case they don't have to make a case now even for Nazis, they had to make a case, but today they don't, they just, uh, you know, hey, Reed, we want to throw somebody into prison for three years for 70 grand a year because they had a forbidden plant. Do you mind? Doesn't matter. Sorry, Reed, we're printing yeah. the money anyway. <laughs> you know, hey, do you mind if we bomb Afghanistan for 20 years? Uh, uh, don't care. Print the button. You know, pr print the money. And uh, so there's no accountability and that's, and that's bad. So um, you know, just from a from a good and evil standpoint, as as well as economic and about a million other reasons, I'm totally against any of these kind of things. We shouldn't be provoking countries. We shouldn't be in involving ourselves. It's not our business what happens in Taiwan and and China. Uh, it's not our business what happens in Ukraine. I was one of the first people to call uh, Zelensky a scammer. It was one of the. It was probably the most negatively received thing I've I've said in the whole campaign. I got more attacks from that than anything because it was really early. I, yeah. I said it like two days into this nonsense months ago, and now if I now I say that all the time, nobody attacks me anymore because they're starting to see that it's true. Even the people on the left are like, eh, I don't know if I want to go out on the limb and challenge Fenton on this claim that Zelensky's a scammer. You know, because they're they're not they're not quite willing to put their reputation behind him anymore um, right because it is a scam it's a total scam billions and billions of dollars in, in, in a total scam and it's this it's not the scam scams are horrible and they really hurt us economically and they hurt people in new hampshire but you the death and the killing and the and the and the destruction is even worse than that you know we killed a million people in iraq yeah, that's just absurd you know it's just it, we we have to have a reckoning for that especially if we're going to go around the world talking like we have some sort of moral authority over other countries when we've we've done some of the most evil things in in modern history um mm -hmm. so yeah we got to cut all this stuff out and and I, I the only the only time i would be in favor of of military actions is if somebody is directly threatening us or they've you know are sorry like here in the u.s like if they go down to rye beach I'm there, man. I'm gonna grab yeah. my guns and I'm I'm, I'm all for it. It's steal my tax money, to, yeah. you know, tax me to get some tanks. We get together, whatever, fine. But that's not the thing. That's not a thing. Ukraine's not on Rye Beach, and they're not even ever gonna come close to Rye Beach. Just like Iraq and Afghani's weren't gonna come to Rye Beach, you know. So, so that's the kind of bar I would have. If we're really under threat or they're attacking us, then, then yeah, have at it, you know. Um, yeah teach them a lesson they'll never forget but but that's not a thing we, we, we haven't been under threat for anybody in in decades yeah for sure um what i find exasperating and amazing at the same time is whenever we espouse this point of view we get called isolationists mm -hmm. where we're the ones who want to openly trade with china or russia we don't want all these sanctions we don't want all these trade embargoes and everything um what 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 do you think we could do to try to reopen negotiations with countries like Cuba, Russia at this point, and uh, China with all these tensions that have escalated with them? What could you do as senator to try to 
you know, alleviate um, alleviate tensions from getting to a boiling point from where they are now? Yeah, that's a good that's a great question because I you know I'm a big believer that business is a great way to build connections. I mean, when you when you do a business deal, you care about the other deal, even if it's a tiny little business in New Hampshire who sells you know widgets for a hundred thousand dollars in annual sales to somebody in. Uh, I did a lot of business in Saudi Arabia, and it was really eye opening. It changed my life. It changed my outlook. You know, I uh, we vilify these people, and and I learned there was just like anything else, a million misconceptions, just stuff that's totally wrong. And even things that are true, they're misunderstood. You know, there's a lot of things that are misunderstood by us. And, and I got to hear from, you know, I'd talk to, I talked to, to, you know, I, I, I met a woman, uh, a woman judge. I met w w female office holders who talk about women rights, w women doctors and surgeons and stuff in Saudi Arabia that would talk about their opinion of women, women's rights in their own country and what they think about stuff. And, um, you know, so so that's all because of business connections, and 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 I think that if people can learn about these other cultures and learn about people in other countries, and you have more friendship, and you have more of a vested interest in saying, hey, let's not go bomb them. I don't want to bomb my business partner. Um, so so you know, trade is just it's such a natural thing. Cuba is it's just so sad. There's so many Cuban Americans who would be, I mean, tourism and everything else. I'm I'm not in favor of any any sanctions at all. I don't think the government has any business telling anybody you can do this or that or you can do deal with this country or that country. You know why not? I'd love to go to Iran and and meet people and maybe do business there like I did in in, in Saudi. You know, a to, you know, a different totally different kind of culture, similar part of the the world. Um, you know, we should have that freedom, and and that would make more peace. You know, um, I, so I would love to do thing do bills that eliminate sanctions open up the country. I mean, Cuba, come on, man. I mean, it's, it, yeah. what, what is it? Like it, a decade before I was born that they put these things in place. It's, it's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense anymore. I mean, never made sense. You know, that's the way most of these rules are. They never made the SEC never made sense. It was, it was written in the 1930s and it didn't make sense then. And, and, and they just get even more outdated. It's like, why, why, what do you mean we can't have Cuban cigars in America? Are you, are you kidding me? You know, it's just absurd. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that would be a great, a great step towards peace. You know, I, I don't know, China, it's like there's, there's so much saber rattling and everything, but, uh, you know, trade would be a good way. Mainly just government getting out of the way, I think, leads to a lot more peace naturally. Yeah, I'm totally with you on business. Um, where business and government kind of merge, though, and turn into an ugly um you know an ugly alliance uh when you have things like uh nato or our uh weapons deals that we do with saudi arabia it's not like companies trading with each other it's the government subsidizing yeah. these giant uh you know aid packages to israel saudi arabia all these countries that we're allies with uh what's your approach to that like nato um our weapons deals with saudi arabia are a uh, huge amount of aid to Israel. Would you try to end those things or try to end our involvement with those things and only have voluntary trade between the countries? What's your position there? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather end government involvement in those things. I saw those those arms deals happen firsthand in Saudi. I, I knew the people who did the deals. You know, I met them. I, I, you know, I'd go to embassy functions and, you know, I wasn't involved in the deals, but I, but I, I you know, I'd I was right there. I talked to, mm -hmm. I talked to some people. One of the days, one of the big deals was closed. I talked to some of the people who worked like the, the people who did the deal. And, uh, so, so I always felt it was a big scam when I was there. And I've been to a, a dozens and dozens of these meetings where, you know, you have retired generals and military industrial complex people come in and they give these stern speeches to the Saudis about you are in a dangerous neighborhood in the world and you must have these weapons. And, and then it's this whole weird permission thing where the U.S. has got to give permission, like it's some big, 
you know, bonus, like, oh, we're going to let you buy these weapons. And I'm like, what, you know, all this shady money, like you said, government money. And then, you know, they'll have ambassadors who are former generals who understand how to close the deals. And these are big deals, you know, 30, 50 billion dollars, you know, to represent hundreds of thousands of jobs. So there's all this, you know, who they pick as ambassador, there's Congress members and senators, and there's all kinds of nonsense involved. And, and, you know, it's, it's a scam, you know, it's a scam on us and it's a scam on the Saudis. Uh, they're getting scammed into, into debt and buying stuff and wasting a bunch of money and kind of this quid pro quo, like, Hey, you know, buy these helicopters and we'll help you out sort of thing. Um, so they're getting scammed. Uh, they everybody in the region is getting scammed because it's an arms race. And, and, and then, and we're getting scammed as Americans because it's a lot of our money. And, uh, you know, it, what, what we should do is just have government entirely out of the process. If, if somebody wants to buy something from low Lockheed or Boeing, they should be able to buy it from Lockheed or Boeing. It shouldn't be, you know, it, it shouldn't be something that government is all involved with, you know, negotiating these contracts. Cause what happens obviously is you have all these special interests and then they lean on the whatever administration they say hey this is 280,000 jobs like you better push for this and the politicians make the same mistake they always do which is meddling and saying like they think they know better so they you know push for these contracts but it but the net net result ends up money out of our pocket and out of the Saudi's pocket and into the pocket of these people who buy mansions in McLean. You know, that's the real, if you really follow the money, it's, it is a big, big, big scam with a lot of people or, or actually a small number of people making a lot of money, you know, some, some number of thousands of people right down in, you know, McLean, Virginia, like literally you can go through the neighborhoods and you can, you can see who lives there and look them up. <laughs> you know, you go right to $20 million house, $10 million house, $8 million house. You look, look the people up, see what they do. They're almost always, uh, executives at these contracting companies. They're making an absolute fortune on a big scam. And the scam, the, what's, what's worse about the scam is that it's incentivized at the end of the day, they want it to be a rough neighborhood. They, they don't want, they don't want Saudi Arabia to be like New Hampshire. They want they want there to be a few bombings here and there and some stress. You know, these like things like um, you know, where I live in a compound, they have to protect that with usually the National Guard or a very, very heavy duty security. I mean, if you're living in a compound with a bunch of American engineers or something like that, it's millions in security. Um, so so there's a lot of incentive to keep these things you know, keep conflict going and, you know, whether it's Ukraine or the Middle East or, or, or now Asia, uh, and, and probably soon Africa as well. Um, so, so yeah, we should be entirely out of that stuff. Mind our own business. If everybody wants to buy our products, fine. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, it's kind of like my philosophy in life, you know, walk, walk softly. Um, if somebody really messes with you, you know, teach them a lesson. Like I'm, right. I'm all for, if somebody hurts you, I'm all for like, I'll go zero to 150 real, real, real fast, but only if, only if they deserve it, you know, if they're not messing with us, I would, I, I would want to leave everybody alone. Yeah, for sure. Let's shift toward domestic policy. So a couple days ago, Mar-a-Lago got raided by the FBI and there's been a lot of people who have suddenly realized over the last couple of days that the FBI is a political weapon and no doubt, that did break precedents to go after a former president. I don't think that's ever been done before the FBI. But the FBI has always been a political weapon that different administrations have used to take out vengeance on their political enemies. 
So what would you do as senator to try to counteract the FBI and not just the FBI, but the CIA, intelligence agencies in general? And what would you do to help protect our rights as citizens? Yeah, I have sort of two things thinking about how I'd serve. And one is sort of my wish list, which would be just abolish the CIA, abolish the NSA, abolish the FBI, replace it with nothing. Um, I, I think there is some place for intelligence through you know, the Pentagon to kind of know if somebody's about to nuke us, you know, so, it, so it, it's not that I want to ab abolish all intelligence. It's just that those agencies have had so many problems, especially the FBI. It's just and the CIA and probably the NSA, too. I just don't know. But they've just built up so much, uh, you know, bad uh, institutional structure over the years. Like, I, I, it's just like the whole thing's broken. It's like, it's like if you had a company, it wouldn't happen in the private sector because the company would have gone out of business. But if you, if you just had a company where everybody was terrible and all their systems were terrible, the computers are terrible and their procedures and policies, the whole thing is, is broken. And it's, it's a, it's a bad culture. Um, so, so yeah. I, and I also, uh, you know, on my wish list is I wouldn't even have that many federal laws for the FBI to even enforce anyway. You know, I, I would get rid of most of those laws. Um, so that's my wish list. But, you know, realistically, and I and I say realistically in today's terms, because this is a six-year term, in three years, it could be completely realistic. We could have, you know, if this kind of stuff keeps happening, we could absolutely face a point where the majority of Americans, the majority of senators agree to get rid of the FBI. I mean, we're we're in crazy times right now. Anything can happen in a year. Uh, but if, if it was today, you know, I have the wish list and then I have kind of more realistic things that would, that would pass in sort of the current political environment. If I was in Congress, you know, today, um, and that would be just, just, you know, way more oversight trying to, you know, get to the bottom of, of, uh, we, we as Americans, and I really wish that people on the left would see this. Uh, we, we must demand that, there's a high stand, high bar if you're going into a political opponent's home, you know, and, and, and Democrats should, should see that, you know, they, they should be demanding, even if you hate Trump, just say, okay, I hate him. And I think he's probably guilty because my heart says so. And I really hate orange man, but let me see the evidence. you got to see the evidence. You can't just go having a DOJ that raids somebody's house. Um, you know, a major political opponent, you know, probably, uh, you know, the most important political, figure in the u.s uh, in opposition to the the ru ruling party you know it, it, i mean who who's a bigger thorn in biden's side who's who would be biden's bigger enemy than than trump desantis i, I don't know and and now we've set this president you know what are they going to do they, they they i think wasn't didn't a member of congress have their phone seized the other day um and and you know what happens next? What if, what if they what if they raid DeSantis's house? What if they raid my house? You know, I'm running for Senate. They don't. Right. They certainly don't want me running for. I worry, and it makes me very sad and worried that one of one of my concerns when I decide to run is like, oh, are they gonna are they gonna try and screw me? Uh, are they gonna try and get me? Um, what dirty tricks are they gonna do? Am I gonna be banned from social media like you are? You know, banned on yeah. Twitter? Am I gonna? <laughs> you know, how, what are they gonna do? And that's a sad thing. Nobody should ask that, Republicans or Democrats. We should all demand that we have a, a real, real, real high standard for this kind of stuff. Because otherwise, we lose everything. If, I mean, if you lose your freedom, um, you know, we're not going to be debating this stuff anymore. And 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 the things that Democrats want to have happen aren't going to happen either. Right. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. Um, and it, it is disheartening, like you said, that the left doesn't see that because I feel like they used to be the ones who were sort of good on this, but now they've completely let that or not completely. There's a few of them, but for the most part, they've let it go. And it's actually people on the right who are starting to see it. So I guess we just got to take progress wherever it shows up. 
I uh, want to talk about the economy a little bit and bailouts and you know, more stimulus packages that are sure to come, I would assume, at this point. Um, what It seems like what what they always do is they'll draft a bill and it will be called like the Stop Lynching Grandmothers Act and it has nothing to do with it. It's like subsidies to some corporation in Mexico or something. But they'll name it a certain way and they'll frame it as though if you're... Uh, representative doesn't vote for this. It's because they hate you and they want you to starve and they want you to die. And Rand Paul, actually, he, you know, it's funny because very few people point to him as the original opposition to all this stuff. But even before uh, lockdown started happening, like right at the beginning with COVID, when there were just like these billion dollar bills that were being proposed, he was the lone guy saying like, no, this is crazy. We we can't just do this. We're going to have repercussions for spending all this money further down the line. We're going to have inflation. Of course, all that stuff turned out to be true. It doesn't take a lot of courage to say that anymore. But up front, before the repercussions of the stupid bill start coming down the road, it takes a lot of courage to be like, no, we're not going to do this. We can't. It's going to hurt us. Uh, what is your position on spending more money to try to... Um, to try to stimulate the economy and what are you going to tell your constituents when they get angry that you didn't vote for it and you know didn't give it didn't give them the free money that they could have you know got their business rolling again with or whatever how are, how are you going to approach all that yeah you know hopefully i'd be able to explain to them that you know th th that the money's broken and the politicians broke it and this thing that they call money is not really money anymore it's a scam you know they're just printing it from thin air and they're giving a tiny sliver to the people and then they're giving the rest of companies like BlackRock. BlackRock got $500 billion, by the way, you know, so they're, they're one single company. And uh, it's, it's just such a weird thing in economics, you know, like there's never been a thing like, Oh, here's how the economy works and here's what money is. And if there's a real bad flu and everybody's really, really, really scared, print $9 trillion and that'll fix it. Like, it's just such a weird thing you know they've broken stuff it, it's very much like an ayn rand novel or something it's like atlas shrugged you know they break things and broke it and broke it more and now they're like oh i know what we'll do and they're just doing things that are going to break it even worse i mean it's just it was very predictable uh i wrote a paper in april 2020 predicting ra rampant inflation and I, I i didn't i don't think that was brilliant at all i mean it's, it's right. abundantly obvious uh it's like saying there's going to be more tyranny like duh you know, look at what look at who we're dealing with here, and um, so it works until it doesn't. You know, eventually you end up like the Weimar Republic or Zimbabwe. I'm sorry, just, Bruce, but almost nobody saw that coming except for us. You know, almost right? no, none of yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, the politicians didn't. I mean, they they don't even know they were calling it Putin inflation. I mean, they don't yeah. know anything, and, and I mean, or or they know and they're just trying to fool the people into thinking that. You know that they, 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 they can be believed but i mean it's really comical now because now now they're grasping at nothing i'd love to be in the in the press meetings at biden like they're like hey what can we say oh i know what we'll say that that in july in, inflation stayed flat <laughs> you know it's yeah. up eight and a half percent for the year you know they're just like why can't and it's crazy because like what you i mean they're just so bad at their messaging what they should do is tell the truth they should blame it on trump if they're if they're being smart you know blame it on somebody but you know to, to just outright lie to the people and say that there's the inflation is flat like i don't know it's it, it's almost good because they're lying so bad they've got to be losing the the the, the, the left um 
is embarrassed by this administration and all the people that that I I interact with in the campaign, all the haters and all the different people on the on the left. Actually, I shouldn't say haters. You know, a lot of the people on the left, it, it you know, they they're so embarrassed by Biden, you don't see them defending Biden. You know, like they're yeah. they're they're kind of like uh, they know they know it's that he's bad. You know, they yeah, can say they like, hate Trump worse, but they can't say Biden's any good, you know? Yeah. If they're like forced into defending him, it's something like, well, if he decides to run, then the voters will decide again. <laughs> they, they never give like a straight answer. It's totally yeah. true. Um, so last question I want to ask you is issues related. Are you more of an ANCAP or more of a constitutionalist? And what I mean by that is, do you think as a senator we should be following the constitution or are you, do you more favor decentralization? So if a state decides that it wants to do something out of line with the constitution, are you more of a libertarian who says, you know what, I don't live in that state. I'm not a senator from that state. There's nothing we can do about that state. Or do you think all 50 states should be forced to comply with the constitution? Uh, how would you approach that? Yeah, that's a great question, and it, it's something I think about a lot. I was I was talking to Jeremy Kaufman at the event last night about it. We we were going to have a debate, but we agree on so much, we just made it a discussion. But that <laughs> is a really interesting thing that I think about because, you know, on the one hand, I want to decentralize as much as possible. I want the ultimately individuals, so individual, and then if that doesn't work, local. If that doesn't work, state. If that doesn't work, federal. And hopefully, by right. the time you get to federal, there's there's nothing left. Everything has has been handled. Um, so I want to decentralize it, put more power in the hands of the people. But one of the there's very few legitimate roles of government, you know, protection of life, liberty, and property, maybe enforcement of treaties, maybe making things like passports work so that people can come here or we can leave or what you know, very few things. Um, but one of the one of the the things that I think is legitimate for government is to pr protect you from those the, the, your rights from other government. So if you have a like, let's suppose there was a town, you know, let's suppose the town said, you know, some woke town, Portsmouth says no more Republicans allowed, no more MAGA hats allowed. MAGA is a hate speech. You're not allowed MAGA hats. And 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 they suppose it's, you know, somehow works, you know, they, they, there's a judge in on it or whatever. Then I think it is legitimate for more, a higher authority for the state to come and be like, no, 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 that doesn't work. Now, suppose you had the state just do something. It's a very, it goes back to my first point, which is government is this, you know, toddler with the, with a howitzer. It's the most dangerous thing. It's you really, really, really want to use it as a last resort. But if you have government stamping on people's rights, then you, you could have legitimacy for a bigger, government authority to stop that authority, that state authority from hurting them. Um, and this could be at the town levels too. You know, you have like a lot of these petty tyrants in school boards and things like that. And there has been cases, you know, that's one of the legitimate, you know, the, like there has been cases where, where, you know, like a school board has discriminated or something and the feds come in. I mean, it, you know, in some cases, U.S. Marshals, they're like, no, this is the law. Um, and, you know, so I have mixed feelings about that one. It would really be a case by case basis, you know, overall I'd, I'd, I'd prefer the, you know, the individual liberty thing, but we're in such weird times now. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it, like I, I wanted that one of the only times that I want government to in, in, interfere, like I called uh, the board of education and the governor on my kid's school. Like I want them to come in and say, no, you can't make Bruce's kids wear a political signal on because that's all it is. It's nothing about health. That's why the board members are school board or they're not wearing one when they're out at the football games or whatever. So I, so I, I felt like they should come in and say, 
no, you can't do your state school. You can't do that. Um, and so, so it, it is one of the rare cases that I would call for government interference to protect somebody. You know, if you had some town, there was a town in Massachusetts when I was down there where the town manager wanted to go around and, uh, He's it's like a super lefty town and he's a super lefty manager. He wanted to go around and, and make this gun registry for everybody. And that's, that's a case where, yeah, I do actually, as, as anti-government as I want, I do actually want the state to come in there and tell him to shut up and, you know, protect the people. If he's going around using the police force for that, um, you know, one of my favorite things to, to watch on TikTok and stuff is when you have cops arresting other cops. That's, <laughs> that's one of the best. You see the ATF guy the uh, couple of weeks ago. He's he's knocking on doors saying because uh, they've been doing this. If you buy a lot of guns, they'll knock on your door and they want to do an audit and you know they kind of intimidate you and they have no right to do that. So this guy called the police and said, "There's somebody at my door uh, trying to take my guns." They come and pull the gun on him. He re he acts all arrogant and refuses to do yeah. it, and they end up chasing him. And, uh, you know, that, I love the idea of like, you know, whether it's whether it's like the New Hampshire state police arresting FBI or kicking them out or protecting somebody's rights or, you know, it's one, it's like the only, it's like you only have one job. I don't really want you to have the job at all. And I but if you if you are going to steal my money and make me pay for you, at least be there the one time I need you, which is to protect my my constitutional rights. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into the uh, campaign a little bit, the specifics of it. So obviously, for those watching, I've had Jeremy Coffin on the show a few times. I'm working on his campaign in the Libertarian Party. Bruce is running in the Republican Party for the same position. But as he said earlier, he and Jeremy agree on virtually everything. I'm sure they could find some small disagreements somewhere. But very, uh, very, very familiar, uh, very uh, similar platforms. So um, what I'm going to do, Bruce, is I'm going to vote for you in the Republican primary. And then if you win, uh, I'm going to have to reassess. Honestly, I'm going to have to see what's going on. And I'm probably going to vote for you because honestly, what I usually do is I try to vote for Republicans and Democrats because they just have a better chance of winning in general, just because of the way the system's set up. In 2016, I voted for Rand Paul for president, uh, you know, or I, I actually didn't get to vote for him because <laughs> by the time he got to New Hampshire, he had dropped out, but I had supported him in the primary because I wanted to vote for him in the general election. Uh, I supported Tulsi Gabbard in the 2020 election because I thought she was the best out of the two parties. And then both times I ended up voting libertarian in the general election anyway, because I just thought the options sucked. But um, what I want to ask you is uh, what if you what if you don't win the primary? What are what are you planning to do? Are you are you? GOP ride or die or do the other candidates not represent you well enough or do you not want to answer that question or what what are your yeah, feelings on that Yeah I mean you know main goal is to win the Republican primary but I, sure. I you know, so I don't want to speculate on if if I were to lose what happens but I I will say that I'm consistent on liberty all the time and I'll never ever ever compromise on that you know and there's people that aren't aren't liberty there is, you know, I'm, I'm never ever gonna, I'm never gonna support somebody who's gonna try and take your guns. I just can't. Like what, like that's the whole point of what I'm running for. for like to 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 say that if I go down there, I'll do what I say. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I I I I'm I'm all liberty, and I, I think that the 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 liberty community and the free staters and the libertarians in New Hampshire, I think that's how they are. You know, I mean, if I if I if I said yesterday, like, hey, listen, everybody, I know this is unusual for me, but I actually do support the 87,000 IRS agents and hear me out on this. There's some good economic reasons. 
no one <laughs> would stick with me. I mean, they'd just be like, nope, lost you. I mean, they're yeah. very like, doesn't matter if they've been my friend for 10 years, they'd be like, nope. You know, they, they're just, they don't compromise. And I've said that before, you know, a lot of people say like, you know, a lot of the Republicans, they're concerned. You know, first they were concerned I was going to run for a third party. And I said, why would I do that? We already have a good third party. And then they, they're even more scared. And so a lot of them are, a lot of them are, are like very concerned about what, what could happen if I were to not win the, the, the primary. But, um, you know, what I've said to them, it's like, I, I don't control the, 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 I'm not going to, there's no free stater that's, you know, the people who support me, they're not going to vote for somebody because I say to it, like, hey, everybody, be a team player and vote for this statist over here. And they'll be like, okay, Bruce, we liked your signs. And so we will vote what you say. No, it's not yeah. how it is. They're for liberty and freedom. And they're for me because I'm for liberty and freedom. And they don't really, they're never going to compromise on that. I mean, look at the, look at the voting in the last couple of elections. We had 41,000 votes in the last Senate seat for this very same election for, for the two libertarian candidates, Aaron day and, and the libertarian candidate. Um, and those are people who knew that those candidates couldn't win. I mean, 41,000 people in New Hampshire turn out six years ago, even knowing they can't win. So you're never going to convince these people like, you know, the, the Aaron day voters and the, and the libertarian voters who, who have voted in that they're, they're just not going to compromise. It doesn't matter if they're the last vote and it's a choice between a statist Republican or a Democrat, they're going to go with the libertarian. They're not going to vote for either. And I, right. cause I think that that's especially true of like our movement and, you know, a lot of the free staters and stuff. It's like the whole purpose is to not compromise. You know, we're leave me aloneists who are just like, nah, we're just not playing the games because we recognize, you know, some of us moved here for exactly that reason. We recognize that like picking the lesser of two evils doesn't work. So I think there's a lot of us that are just like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can for liberty without compromise ever. I don't, I don't like compromising because as soon as you compromise, you, you, even in the campaign, I see it, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities to, you know, people say, if you just say this thing, we'll give you 250 grand on a pack or whatever, you know, it's very easy to get compromised. And, uh, I, I'm more of a no compromise kind of person. All right. So how do people in New Hampshire vote for Bruce Fenton in the primary? When, when is the primary, uh, what party do they have to be registered in? What, uh, status do they need to have? Just give us the whole lowdown. How can people vote for you in the primary? Yeah. Um, so it's September 13th and you can register to vote at your local town hall or whatever you can, you, 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 you want to register as Republican. If you're independent, you, I believe you can pick a, a, a Republican ballot that day. Uh, you might want to double check, but I'm pretty sure. And, and I think even Democrat, even if you're registered Democrat, I think you may need to do it a day before or something like that, but you might be able to switch. But I, I think it might depend on the state or whatever, or the town. But if you're Democrat, you you probably want to just switch over to Republican so you can vote for me. Or if you're or if you're independent, just make sure. Or if you're not registered at all, definitely go down to your town hall. Go ahead and register as Republican. Uh, and that you know, obviously, that doesn't affect how you vote in the general. You know, you can vote. Right. You can still vote Libertarian in the general, or or whatever. You can switch it back. I mean, you can switch back to Independent, Democrat, whatever. Um, but for the Republican primary, you got to on the day of the on September 13th, you go in there and ask for the Republican ballot. Um, and that really does matter. I mean, there are only about 150,000 people voted in the last couple Republican primaries, uh, 143,000 or so. And there's maybe as many as 50,000 free staters. <laughs> so if every free stater voted for me in the Republican <laughs> primary, then uh, there's a good chance I'd win. Um, and the and the general election is really winnable. I mean, that's the crazy thing. You know, if I if I were to win the primary, oh, yeah. um, it's 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 a very very winnable. See, very likely to go red. Um, and and I think that's important too because. 
I don't think that any of the other candidates have as broad of appeal. You know, I have I have a lot more libertarians. I have a lot more independents. Uh, so I have a best chance of because it's not going to be an easy seat. Maggie Hassan's spending a lot of money on ads, and you know she's got the whole swamp behind her. So um, you know it, we got to put the the person with the highest chance of winning in there as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's funny. I actually. I still don't know if I feel good about it. I mean, I guess I don't feel good about it, but I voted for Maggie Hassan in 2016 and it was just because I thought I, uh, I keep forgetting her name. What was her name? Um, Kelly, Kelly. Kelly Ayotte. I just thought she was awful on foreign policy and a bunch of stuff. So I, but I don't do that anymore. I'm like you, I don't, I don't do the, uh, at least not that much. <laughs> like if someone's way better than someone else. Okay. But that was a mistake. Maggie Hassan hasn't even been good on a lot of things. Democrats are supposed to be good on, you know, that's kind of, like if there's a Republican who sucks on drugs, I'm more forgiving because he's a Republican. And it's like, you know, Republicans typically suck on this type of stuff. And if you're a Democrat and you suck on guns, it's like, OK, you know, whatever, you're a Democrat. So I can kind of overlook it. But when you're a Democrat who's bad on civil liberties like Maggie Hassan is, she she and Gene uh, Jaheen both voted with the Republicans against the, the amendment that would require the federal government to get a warrant to look through your uh, search history and all sorts of terrible votes she's made. She's awful. So you need to get her out of there. And then I'm not impressed with Baldick or Morse. Um, you know, I don't think they're frankly good on things. Republicans are supposed to be good on. So I certainly hope you, uh, I certainly hope you win, man. Uh, you'll have my vote. Um, and I encourage everyone who's in New Hampshire, who's libertarian, or even if you're an America first Republican, this is your America first guy not taiwan first or ukraine first or you know whatever else first this is america first new hampshire first so please go vote for bruce in the primary but uh before we wrap up bruce where can people keep up with you i've got your website and your twitter linked in the description uh do you need donations do you need signs yeah. put out in people's yards what do you need how can people help yes yeah, signs are great we're trying to win the sign game so you know dm me or call me my phone is everywhere including on the signs uh, you can ask for a sign and, and you know, my campaign manager will make sure somebody delivers one. And, and you'd be even cooler if you take 10 or 20 signs and deliver them to your friends or if you, or if you have a spot on a highway or, big, you know, we got the big signs, which we've been doing well on. Uh, so, you know, so those kind of things help sharing my content. Donations are welcome. Even small donations help because it, it, it just sort of shows that people care. Um, and, uh, you know, sharing the content, letting people know about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I love doing like, like today I'm doing a Twitter spaces. I, at four o'clock I do, you know, clubhouse. Um, you know, I take questions. I, you know, I've got my mobile phone out there and, you know, just, just getting the word out, getting people to show up on September 13th and vote for me. Uh, you know, that's the next step. So I, I appreciate every, every bit of support. It's a, it's a politics is kind of a team sport. Yeah, it is, man. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Good luck. I hope you win and you got my vote. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I will catch you on the next episode.